Hey, this is Pastor John Ryan Cantu from Numa Church in Houston, Texas. Thank you for listening to the message today. I hope that it blesses you and all those that you share it with. God bless you. I want to give time to what the Lord wants to do this morning in us. I hope you're already. Last week we heard two words that were pretty much the same. Sister Karen spoke about having the shovel in one hand working next to your partner, hand in hand, watching each other's back, having the sword also ready to go, and having to work in unity. Then Pastor brought a word on pride, which it was an amazing word. And I know that it probably um, touched areas that maybe we weren't ready for God to touch. And maybe the Lord wanted you to have some uncomfortable conversations. I hope you had them. Maybe the Lord asked you to surrender certain areas of pride that you didn't even know were pride. I hope you surrender them. And this morning, I am sad to tell you that this is not a feel-good word. (laughs) Or a, come on, you're doing great word. It's a wake-up word. And I hope you guys are ready. I'm going to ask you to stand to read the word of God. We're going to open up to Genesis 26. Genesis 26. And we are going to read from verse 1 to 6. The Lord has been the presence of God. The Holy Spirit has been messing me up all week. So I will try to get to my word this morning. Genesis 26, 1 through 6, and it reads, I'll be reading out of the NLT version. A severe famine now struck the land as had happened before in Abraham's time. So Isaac moved to Gerar, where Abimelech, king of the Philistines, lived. The Lord appeared to Isaac and said, Do not go down to Egypt, but do as I tell you. Live here as a foreigner in this land, and I will be with you and bless you. I hereby confirm that I will give all these lands to you and your descendants, just as I solemnly promised Abraham, your father. I will cause your descendants to become as numerous as the stars of the sky, and I will give them all these lands. And through your descendants, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. I will do this because Abraham listened to me and obeyed all my requirements, commands, decrees, and instructions. So Isaac stay in Gerar. We're going to jump to verse 14 says he acquired so many flocks of sheep and goats herds of cattle and servants that the Philistines became jealous of him so the Philistines filled up all of Isaac's wells with dirt these were the wells that had been dug by the servants of his father Abraham finally Abimelech ordered Isaac to leave uh, the country go somewhere else he said for you have become too powerful for us so Isaac moved away to, Gerar, to the Gerar Valley, where he set up their tents and settled down. He reopened the wells his father had dug, which the Philistines had filled in after Abraham's death. 
Isaac also restore the names Abraham had given them. We close with verse 19. Isaac's servants also dug in the Gerar Valley and discovered a well of fresh water. Let's go ahead and pray. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Father, for giving me the honor to stand before your people this morning. Holy Spirit, I know that you gave me this word, and I know that it made me uncomfortable. So I ask right now this morning that the same way it made me uncomfortable want to desire and seek more of your presence. It will wake up a desire in your church this morning to seek more, Father, more of what you have for us, Father. To not continue to just settle, my God, but go deeper in your presence, my God. I ask if there's anyone, Father, any spirit, Father, that may be trying to disturb, Father, and come against the thoughts of your people this morning, I repeat. Rebuke it in the name of Jesus. I speak the freedom of the cross over this place this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. I believe God is calling us to wake up, church. I believe God is calling us to repentance. I believe God is calling us to be desperate for his presence. I believe God is calling us for sanctification, to be desperate for more. What we have done up to this point, church, is not enough. That's the title of my message this morning, not enough. I'm all shaky. Let me give you some content. In between Isaac and his family arriving to Gerar, and Isaac having to leave the city and settle in the valley. Um, Isaac lies about his wife, Rebecca. Uh, when they arrive into the city, he said it was his sister when, in fact, it was his wife. One time he is, the Bible says, caressing. I'm guessing he was, you know, loving on his wife. And the king sees him. So he calls him out. He says, that, that's not your sister. That's your wife. Why did you lie? And he says, I was afraid that they will kill me because she's so beautiful. So he had a pretty looking wife. After this event, um, the king ordered that uh, no one would touch her or kill him. And so therefore, they settled that, right? But after this event, God starts to bless Isaac tremendously. So much so that as we read, the Philistines envied him. This morning, my focus is going to be on verse 15, 18, and 19. Verse 15, we read, So the Philistines filled up all of Isaac's wells with dirt. These were the wells that had been dug by the servants of his father Abraham. As you know, more times than not, I like to give you guys a visual. This represents the wells. This is the well that it, was, it belonged to Abraham. And they're all full of dirt. It's not just here. And this is the well that Isaac dug, which is also full of dirt. I want you guys to understand because when you go home, I want you to keep this visual. The dirt this morning represents our issues our problems. 
whatever is keeping us from the flowing water that is underneath. Could it be troubles? Could it be your husband, your wife? Could it be your children? Could it be your job? What is your well full of this morning? I'll give you with that. I'm coming back to them. The well, like I said, represents our lives. The enemy also likes to throw stuff into our well. It's not just things that we do to ourselves or things that we struggle, things that we're facing. He also, once in a while, throws in dirt as well. Sometimes also, ministry can become, not dirt, don't, don't misunderstand, but we can be so focused on ministry that we forget and we are so focused on what we're doing for God instead of what God's trying to do in us. And so we are full with everything and the water is not flowing like it should. Is it pride? Sometimes pride can be so heavy that you won't see that flowing water. What dirt has gotten so heavy in your life that is keeping you from experiencing living water flowing out of you? Verse 17 says, So Isaac moved away from there and encamped in the valley of Gerar, where he settled. 18. Isaac reopened the wells that had been dug in the time of his father Abraham, which the Philistines had stopped up after Abraham date. And he gave them the same name his father had given them. Church, we need to make the presence of God our settling place. For way too long, we've been okay with just experiencing glimpses of his glory and glimpses of his presence. Isaac knew there was water flowing from those wells. At some point, water was in them. And he knew the water could still flow. What did he have to do? He just had to put in the work. He had to get to work. And he had to start digging the dirt that had been filled by the Philistines. Isaac reopened the wells that had been dug in the time of his father. Church, God is calling a generation of Isaacs who are willing to put in the work to experience what the generation before us experienced. I heard someone say, and if you take notes, this is a good one. God doesn't have grandchildren. Therefore, every generation must experience his presence. God doesn't have God children. So why do we act like he does? Like what he did back then, he's not going to be able to do it in us and in this generation. What we need to ask ourselves is, are we okay with just knowing there's a well? That man, the water was flowing. When my grandma would pray, when my grandpa, when my father, when my aunt, my mom, my dad. Are you okay with just knowing that the well had water flowing? Or are you ready to put in the work and say, you know what? This is Isaac's well. He didn't just dug those. 
he began to say, I, I, hey, I, I won whatever, that one was working, but I want to experience also the flowing that this well had. Are you that Isaac this morning? William Seymour, if you know who it is, from the Azusa Street Revival, he knew that there was more than just congregating week after week, service after service, and revival happened because they were seeking his presence. When I Googled it, it says, seven men were waiting on God when suddenly, as hit by a bolt of lightning, they were knocked from their chairs to the floor. Man, I wish the presence of God would just come and bam, knock me out of my chair. You know what happened though? These men were hungry for his presence. Hungry. Not only were they hungry, but they waited. They waited for the presence to show up. When is the last time you were hungry for his presence, church? I mean hungry. You know, sometimes when you have dinner and you're full and you're like, I can go for an ice cream, right? That's not hungry. That's just satisfying your, your little craving that you have. The Lord doesn't want to satisfy your craving. He wants to satisfy your hunger. When we're hungry, we're not okay until our hunger is satisfied. Some of us even get hangry. You wouldn't be okay with just crumbs if you were hungry. This one is rough. And when the Lord spoke to me these words, I said, I can't say that. And I try to avoid it. But I have to be obedient. The Lord said, my presence has been treated like a one-night stand. You get our fill for that moment. And you are comfortable walking away with having experienced just a glimpse of my presence. Don't get me wrong. I'm not disrespecting the presence of God. I'm saying our approach to the presence is like that of a one night stand. God is wanting a relationship with his children. We know that we are the providers well, my husband is a provider. I provide the love and comfort and the food, and he provides the finances. But we know that we provide for our children. But we don't want our kids to just come like, hey, mom, can you buy this for me? Hey, dad, can you give me this? Hey, dad, can you, can you help me out with this? I don't know where Will is at. Oh, he's right there. As he was growing up, he would tell me, ma, how much you love me? And I immediately knew he wanted something. So my answer to that would be like, what do you want? Because that was his way of telling me he was about to ask me for something. And we approach God sometimes with, God, how much you love me? Because see, I'm going through this. I'm facing this. I'm having a hard time with this. I'm having a hard time with that. And we come seeking the hands of God more than the face of God. If we are his children, church, shouldn't there be a relationship? Someone was said, we know of him, but we don't know him. 
we know what he's done. We know that he did it, but we don't know him. I know who the president is. I don't know him. I know my husband because there's relationship. God wants to have relationship with each of you. Not just a Sunday to Sunday, a week to week. He wants to have a relationship with you. Verse 19 says, Isaac's servants dug in the valley and discovered a well of fresh water there. Isaac wasn't just okay with digging up the wells that belonged to his father. He wanted to do some digging as well. Church, God is calling us. Each of us. This is not for the next church. This is not for the Spanish. This is not for the church next door. This is for Numa. And the Lord is calling us to do some digging this morning. We cannot continue just coming week after week and living the same or having to experience just a little bit of His presence. We need to desire His presence more than anything else. We need to wake up, church. The enemy is taking advantage of your tiredness, of your sleepiness. And the Lord is calling you to wake up and fight. It doesn't matter if you're the first one in your family. It doesn't matter if nobody else did it before you. The Lord is calling you perhaps to be the first one. Perhaps to be the first one. But then the next generation is going to benefit from you saying, Lord, I want your presence. I don't want just a glimpse. I don't want just a little bit. I want to know you. It starts, though, (laughs) with repentance and at the altar. The Lord spoke to me about three weeks ago. Pastor had an amazing word. And only about three, four people were at the altar. I was singing. The Lord said, people stay in their seat and don't come to the altar because of pride. And it broke my heart. Because we're too concerned about the next person, what the person next to me is going to think. That's what we worry about? Really? That person's not going to stand next to you when you're before the throne of God. You're going to stand alone. Right after that, Sister Maria came up. And she said more people needed to be at the altar that Sunday than there were. We need to get back to the altar. If we really want to experience revival, but true revival, we need to die to ourselves. And we need to present ourselves as the living sacrifice like Paul to- tells us in Romans 12.1. And he adds on that scripture. This is truly the way to worship him. Coming to the altar doesn't mean that you're exposed. So what if you're exposed? You're exposed before the Lord. My sister and Renee just went to camp and she shared that the preacher... When he made the call to salvation, he said, every eye open and every hand raised. Because he said that, why are we ashamed to say that, hey, I'm, I, I, I'm accepting Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Why are we ashamed to do that? And we have to close our eyes and bow our head. 
And I love that because we don't come to the altar because we're ashamed. Because, hey, they're going to know that because he was talking about pride, that means that I'm prideful. So what? You are prideful. We are prideful. So what? In the altars is when you find freedom. Back in those days, they brought the sacrifice to the altar. They didn't sit on their benches with their sacrifice. No, they brought it to the altar because they wanted to present it before the Lord and and give a scent that was pleasing to God. So if we are to present ourselves as living sacrifice, why do we present our living sacrifice from our bench? Second Chronicles seven fourteen says, "Then if my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from the heavens and I will forgive their sins and restore their land." Another version says, "Heal their land." Would you agree that our land is in serious need of healing? Pastor Tony Evans said it best when he said, when you are about to see a play and you're sitting in the audience and the curtains are closed and you hear the noise behind the curtains and you hear movement and you hear rumbling and you know that something's going on, you know that the play is about to start. And he said, all the rumbling we're hearing in the world right now is because we're about to experience one of two things. The greatest revival in history Or the Lord is coming back for his bride. Do you hear the rumble? It's loud. You can't avoid it. The world is rumbling because it's dying. And the enemy is taking advantage of everyone dying. And even we come to the church and we're dying. And the Lord wants to heal our land. But the word says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves. Coming to the altar says, humbling yourself. Will pray, will seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear their land. So as his people, are we humbling ourselves? Are we praying? Are we seeking his face? And are we turning away from our wicked ways? William Seymour from the Azusa Revival put in the work. And he waited until he experienced the presence of God. Story tells us that they were holding three services three times a day, seven days a week, a week for weeks. Three times a day, seven days a week, four weeks. We need the Catherine Coleman's of this time. There was another woman that put in the work. And when I was doing research on her, it said that over two million people reported that they were healed in her meetings over the years. What about the people that didn't report it? But one of her biggest things was, I don't want to do anything that will hinder the Holy Spirit. We've put God in a box and we made him part of our programs. And we even dare to let him know how much time he has to move. We have become a generation that more often times than not, we seek his hands and not his face. What you can do for me. How you can fix my situation. And we have forgotten how to seek him and not move until we experience his presence. Our prayer meetings, 
and our lock-ins are evidence of what I'm saying. Because they're empty. Because people just want what God can do. But they don't want his face and his presence. Jacob wrestled all night with the angel and his hip was wrenched, the word says. And it's still, even that, after that, Jacob didn't stop. Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. After that encounter, Jacob was not the same. He even received a new name. It says, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. We need to have an encounter with His presence so evident, guys, that we will no longer look the same, walk the same, uh, speak the same. Moses was another one. When he came down from Mount Sinai, he had to cover his face. Because his face was so radiant for having spoken to the Lord. When you experience the presence of God to that level, you won't settle for anything less. This is a pursuit we're in, church. We need to attract the presence of God. Attract his presence. And stand until we say, Lord, I will not settle for anything else. Until I receive your presence. Until I experience your presence. I will not let you go. You need to have your Jacob woman and say, I will not let you go, Lord, until you ex- I, I experience your presence. And sometimes this fear that will keep you from just stepping forward because what am I going to face? What am I going to come against? What is the enemy going to throw my way? Does it matter if he's the one that's going before you and he's the one that stands next to you and he's the one that stands behind you? Can I call the worship team up? When Solomon brought back the Ark of the Covenant that represented the presence of God, The word says, the trumpeters and singers perform together in unison to praise and give thanks to the Lord in unison. We may be a church that hosts services in two different languages, but we need to be a church that seeks the presence of God in unison. We need to be numerous experiencing the presence of God. As a whole. We keep reading. When the Ark of the Covenant came back and said at that moment. Listen, the priests were ready. The priests were the ones that had to go, right? Before and present the sacrifice. The priests were ready. And one of the things that really caught my attention is that even if it wasn't their time to perform. Even if they weren't the ones that had to go in, they were ready that day. You have to be ready when you're up here, when you're down there, when you're here. When you're doing, you have to stay ready. And it says, at that moment, a thick cloud filled the temple of the Lord. The priest could not continue the service because of the cloud. For the glorious presence of the Lord filled the temple. I don't know about you, but I am no longer okay with being where I am at. I know that there's more than bits and pieces of his presence, and I'm ready to experience the more of him. It's not about your abilities or my abilities, your gift or my gift, what we can contribute to the kingdom. It's about his presence. 
and not being okay with anything less than his presence. It's about repenting for hindering the Holy Spirit when he had more for us, but we stopped him. It's about not being okay with just knowing the wells of our fathers existed, but dig our own well and experience him for ourselves in this time. I want my kids to be able to say, I remember that one service at Numa when everyone was seeking the presence of God and wouldn't settle for anything else, so much so that even I got to experience it. And then that would encourage them to go and dig on their own well and say, God, I know that there is more than what you gave my mom, than what you gave my dad, than what you gave my grandma. I want the Holy Spirit to walk into this room and take over and do as He wishes. I want the Holy Spirit to fill this place with a cloud of His presence to where these guys wouldn't be able to keep praying, playing where pastors can give their word because the cloud of his presence filled the temple when there's not a song to sing or a word to preach because his presence fills the temple and then church then the crowds will come because they're going to hear of what God is doing at Numa We're trying to attract the presence of God with our crumbs. And the Lord is tired of us bringing our crumbs. He wants your whole heart. He doesn't want you to present your heart on Sunday morning and then take it back on Sunday afternoon. He wants to have your heart Monday through Friday. Sunday, not Friday. It's like you won't even have to speak or say anything because your face won't look the same, because your walk won't be the same, because you have experienced the presence of the Lord. Can I ask you to stand? I'm going to make two calls this morning. The first one is for those of you who maybe have never been to church. This is your first time. You don't even know how to do that. How do I give God my heart? Can I ask the prayer team to be on this side? Or two people on this side and two people on this side, please. If you are one of those people who say, I don't even know how to, Pastor D. They will help you. They will help you. They will lead you into the prayer of salvation. And the other one is for those of you who know who God is. For those of you who have experienced who God is in the presence of God and are tired with just coming Sunday after Sunday. I want to know Him more intimate. And you are willing to say, Lord, here I am. Do what you have to do in my life. And I will not let go until I have experienced your presence. Those of you will come to the center. 
Leave your pride in that bench. Leave your pride at that bench. Listen, you don't know what could happen when you step out of these doors. This might be the last chance you get. Maybe the Lord has been tugging of your heart for weeks and you haven't. Leave your pride at the bench and come and seek the presence of God as the worship team leads us into a time of worship. Holy Spirit, walk into this room this morning. Walk into this room and do as you will this morning. We are ready for the more of you. We no longer want to settle. Thanks for listening. If you'd like some more information on Numa Church, visit us on our website at mynumachurch.org. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe or share it with your friends on social media and tag us at mynumachurch. Thanks again and God bless.